0: of your work week ladies and gentlemen and you are locked and loaded on a wednesday hump day on the hottest show in the streets the best form number one form of alabama football news notes and information on the block that being in my own words with yours truly stephen m smith of touchdown Alabama Magazine, excited, happy to have each and every last one of you tuned in on today as we bring you the show from Tuscaloosa, streaming this to you via YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, go ahead right now, hit that subscribe button, turn on those notifications so that you can have the best in updates, news, and analysis on your Crimson tie. Also, drop that thumbs up, drop the like on the show as well. And as always, I'm joined here by the man with the plan. And, uh, the man, the myth, the bona fide legend in the production studio. We got the man, John Ivory. John, it's Wednesday. We got a rocking show prepared, man. But first off, how are
1: you feeling? Man, I'm feeling great, man. Roll Tide. Shout out to the chat. Let's light the chat up and share the show. We got a great show for y'all once again. And I'm excited. Get it.
0: Absolutely excited. And as John mentioned, warning you to be a part of the conversation, recreating the topics or recreating the energy you know that we had on Monday. You guys did a phenomenal job Monday as we had about 102 people, 102 people in the chat. So this is your show. We want your thoughts, your opinions, your viewpoints. And you can do this by calling 205-448-1358. The number again, 205 205- and one more time, 205-448-1358 to let your voice be heard on the show. A little bit later, we will be joined, excuse me, by former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell. It's always a joy to get his expertise and thoughts on Crimson Tide football, but... We start off here with an update as that transfer portal, the NCAA transfer portal in terms of Alabama players, getting a little bit bigger here. The 10th name added to the mix was Chadarius Towson, the four-star receiver from Tanner High School in Alabama. He came to the 2017 class with Tua Tungabaloa, Najee Harris. Devontae Smith, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs third, and one Terrell Shaver. So, you know, Chedarius Towson in the portal, a young man that had a tremendous high school career at Alabama. Coach Saban has had him play at running back, at receiver, at defensive back. Never really got a chance to kind of just settle in, grow, and learn one position. Kind of fluctuated everywhere, but decided to put his name in the transfer portal on Tuesday. And it's kind of a disappointment just seeing how. I remember on Monday's show, John, we had a caller to come in and it was a guy got you know, the name is Sean it was a guy that had worked with you no know, Towson in his youth league and really wanted to see the young man be something you know huge and productive for the tie in this upcoming season. Unfortunately you no know, Towson puts his name in the portal so we definitely wish the best for him at this point with 10 guys that have gone into the portal. Five of those guys, scholarship guys, Talia Tungavaloa, Terrell Shavers, Scott Lashley, Nigel Knight, and also Jerome Ford finding new homes in college football. So at this point, the Crimson Tide is officially at the 85-man scholarship roster that it's needed to be at for the NCAA. But just a little news there on Towson and the portal. But as we get into topic number one of conversation people there is a there's a huge myth in college football better yet it's gone from being a myth to a misconception the biggest misconception in college football when you discuss the University of Alabama is Bama doesn't play true freshmen. there are a lot of Opposing coaches, teams, programs, fan bases, but opposing you know, teams and coaches that when they go on these recruiting visits to scout out these athletes, visit these young players at home, or have the players on campus, or, 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 or how they do it, when they go to recruit, an athlete, a lot of these coaches, they, they look at them and they go, you don't want to go to Alabama? Why do you want to go to Bama? You're not going to play. You're not going to see the field. You're not going to get action. They're loaded with four and five stars. littered with four and five stars. What make you think they, they want you? They don't love you. They don't value you. They don't care about you. You're just a number to them. They're going to make you sit the bench. You're probably not going to play to your junior senior year and by that time you're probably washed up and by that time you're probably so buried on the depth chart to where the transfer portal is your only hope come to us come here we love you we value you we care about you you don't want to go to Bama. you don't want to go there they ain't stun you they're not concerned about your talent is going to be wasted in alabama this is what this is what a lot of these coaches tell a lot of these young athletes. Biggest misconception Alabama doesn't play true freshman. Well, Jeff Banks, Alabama's special teams coordinator and tight ends coach, he got tired of this, right? So he dropped the most savage of tweets on social media on Tuesday. And the tweet he dropped was a graphic. He was literally saying, You know, I'm tired of hearing that here at Alabama. We don't play true freshmen. I'm tired of hearing. In Alabama that we don't start true freshmen I'm tired of hearing that we don't value the young guy so let me drop this knowledge bomb on everybody this is coming from the mindset of of Jeff Bank so he released this graphic on Twitter and the graphic highlighted nine true freshman starters Last season, 25 true freshmen at all that got a chance to play. So the nine true freshman starters, it was Christian Harris, at inside linebacker, Shane Lee, at inside linebacker, DJ Dale on the defensive line, Byron Young on the defensive line, Justin aboygby on the defensive line, Jordan Battle at safety, Evan Neal on the offensive line, Ty Pirine, punter, and Will Reichert as the kicker. Those were the nine starters. For Alabama as freshmen 25 players played in all you know this past season as you no know, first year guys and uh, these were 25 players and nine that started that played in a year where widely it's regarded as a down year it's regarded as a disappointing year Alabama Didn't win the Southeastern Conference title. It did not compete for the college football playoff. Didn't get in. Did not contend for a national championship. And so when those goals, when those aspirations are not met with, the fan base typically goes, well, this was a bad year. This was a down year. This was a major, you know, disappointing year. So, and what's looked at, as a bad year and what's looked at as a disappointing year and what's looked at as a tragic year or or rebuilding year 25 freshmen still saw the field nine of them nine of them started in 2019 and each and every game that's this past season you know, those freshmen got better dj dale got better despite the injuries jordan battle got better shane lee had some good moments uh christian harris got better justin the got better byron young got better um King and Robinson, in terms of offense, had two of the longest touchdown runs by a running back a season ago. John Mechie made big plays. Pierce Quick got in there on the offensive line. So at Dorian Dalcourt. So this entire freshman class, game by game, week by week, they got better, and they're going to be better for the experience. But what's awesome is how the assistant coaches jumped on board with uh, Jeff Banks' co-signing when he – Talked about, and you looked at, you know, offensive line coach Kyle Flood saying, Speak it, speak it, speak it. You know, Charles Huff, the running back's coach, got involved. Also, offensive coordinator Steve Sarkeesian got involved. So, you're seeing the camaraderie within the coaching staff as everybody's kind of tired of this giant misconception of, Well, Bama don't play true freshmen. Bama don't play young guys. Bama don't respect the young guys. You got to sit the bench and wait your turn and, 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 Tree trunks will be growing from your feet as you're sitting on the bench because they're not going to play you to your junior, senior year, which is absolutely not true. And the crazy part is going back two years prior to this past season, this was 2017, Alabama signed a very star studded freshman class in 2017. This class was Top rated across the board, a bunch of five-star athletes in that class, and uh, at least six players, it probably was more, but at least six players from that 2017 team were on the field, that 2017 class, were on the field for the college football playoff national championship game against Georgia. And all six of these guys had a major, major impact in that game. Tua Tagovailoa. Was on the field, three touchdowns including the game winner. Najee Harris got in action. Alex Netherwood fielding admirably for an injured Jonah Williams protecting Tua Tagovailoa at that left tackle position. Jerry Judy got involved. Henry Ruggs III started the comeback with a touchdown reception from Tua. And then of course Devontae Smith at the end, the game-winning score on second and 26. Six true freshmen off that 20. 17 17th class played a major role in that title game. Oh, but Bama don't play freshman now. So, even more deeper than that, if you go two years prior to 2017, the 2015 season, which had another star-studded class, another top-ranked group, another unit that had quite a few five-stars on there, and at least four players, it was probably more, but at least four players had a major impact On that team as freshmen for a national championship, when you discuss Calvin Ritley at wide receiver, who had a 1,000-yard season that year, Minka Fitzpatrick was a freshman All-American in the secondary two pick sixes, Ronnie Harrison, who started at safety, had two interceptions that year, and Deron Payne anchored the middle of the defensive line at nose tackle. All four of those guys, big Huge impacts as freshmen. But Alabama, oh, they don't play freshmen. Nick Saban don't believe in playing a freshman. Nick don't believe in putting no young bucks out. They, no, that's a lie. Come over here to us. We believe in the freshmen. We believe in them babies. Come over here. Nick believes in playing freshmen. It's even deeper than that, folks. Since 2008, as we're going to this slide right here, since 08, Nick has been known for playing freshmen. Whether it's starting Julio Jones, playing you know starting Julio Jones, playing Mark Ingram, playing Mark Barron, playing Dont'a Hightower, playing Courtney Upshaw, starting guys like Amari Cooper, starting uh, Trent Richardson, starting guys like or playing guys like Landon Collins, Josh Jacobs, Jalen Hurts. I mean, the, the list goes on. Jonah Williams, Nick Saban believes in playing true freshmen. Nick Saban's mantra has been since 2008, if these guys can play winning football, whomever puts us in the best position to play winning football, we're putting that type of individual, we're putting that player, that guy on the field, there is a slogan that the university has adopted. And the slogan is Welcome to the University of Alabama, where legends are made. That's the slogan. And if the legend is a freshman, so be it. Bama is putting the freshman on the field. Saban has never shied away from playing true freshman. I mean, uh, why do you think Terrell Shavers is in the portal right now? Well, why do you think Terrell Shavers is no longer with the team right now? Well, he saw he has to deal with. John Mechie and Slay Bolden and Xavier Williams. Now here comes Javon Baker, who's about that business. He's like, I don't got time to deal with all of this. I mean, why do you think Markel Benton's in the portal? He already had to deal with with Dylan Moses and Christian Harris and Shane Lee and Joshua McMillan and Jalen Moody and Alakaho. Now you gotta deal with DeMoy Kennedy and Jackson Bratton. And I, I understand the I understand. Bryce Young's decision to come to Alabama, it was not the sole reason why Talia Tungavaloa chose to go elsewhere. But it did leave a big impact, though, because, you know, in Talia's mind, it's okay. All I got to do is continue to keep my foot on Paul Tyson's neck and just beat out, you know, Mac Jones and the starting quarterback. Now, here comes Bryce Young, and what am I going to do now? (laughs) Like, here comes Bryce Young. So, that did play a pretty significant role there. This 2020 freshman class is coming in here. They cutting up. uh, They mean business. And with this class meshed in with Baloo and Dr. Ray in terms of the sports performance team, Coach Saber is going to be looking to put more freshmen on the field again. So let's get ready for it. Let's get prepared for it. And this giant myth, this giant misconception, going with that. Alabama plays, Alabama starts to freshmen. If you big, if you bad, if you got the work ethic, Alabama coach Saban is going to put you on the field regardless of classification. We take a first break here on the show. Don't touch that down, folks. Just getting started. When we get back, we unpack your phone calls, your thoughts, your tweets, your questions, your concerns. Bring them in here
1: after this.
0: Back into the conversation, folks. On a Wednesday, to show on the streets here in my own words with yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. Got the man John Avery as well in the building. And it's your time, Bama Nation, 205-448-1358. Want to hear from you. Phone lines open, 205-448-1358. The number to call in to let your voice be heard one more time. That is 205- four a thirteen fifty eight, and we check in, as always, with Waylon. It's Wednesday, brother man. How you feeling? It's Wednesday at TDA. I'm feeling good today. What's going on down at TDA, Steven? Doing well, man. Just uh, trying to do what Jeff Banks has been doing in dispelling this misconception of Alabama don't play freshman. Go on out here. You, you, you know good and well Nick Saban has never and the history of him being at Alabama has shied away from playing the young kids.
2: Now he's played a lot of freshmen. Uh, freshmen didn't used to play. Now they get the opportunity to go out there and play. So I, I don't know where they come up with that stuff at. Uh, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, they have a more opportunity seem like than the, uh, juniors and seniors nowadays. You know, watch Mr. Paul Feinbaum today and get to listen to, uh, Mr. Sylvester Crooms. And, uh, Remember him and uh, John Mitchell. The you know John was the first uh, African American to sign at Alabama in 1972, and Mr. Croon was there in 72. We have to remember these people because they're the ones that laid down, like I always say, that smooth asphalt for these young guys to be able to come in here and play as freshmen and do their thing, too.
0: Absolutely, you, you, you got you got to pay homage to the old school. You really do because you know they're the ones that came in and. May and like you mentioned, put the groundwork down and smooth it over so that these these young guys can come in here and have fun playing the position that they want to play. So you have to, as always, pay homage to the ones that kind of tra- kind of blaze that trail for you. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, All American John was in '72, 125 tackles, 12 behind the line, eight sacks, five forced fumbles. I mean, you know. He was a force to reckon with. You know, we talk about the defenses of today. He is one of the guys of the defenses of the past that has, has made the defenses of today the way as great as they are today, statement.
0: He did. He did a fantastic job. And from the offensive perspective, Sylvester Croom was one of the greatest offensive linemen to come through Alabama, played center, you know, took the coaching from uh, uh, Coach, Coach Bryant and really you know anchored that front line. And when, when those guys looked at Coach Croom as a player, they knew with Coach Croom on this line, we're going to be able to run the football, we're going to be able to protect the quarterback, because uh, we, we know that Kroom knows what he's doing at that center control there
2: exactly you know and uh well i hope everybody's doing well he a marvelous player there at alabama Went on to be a good coach at mississippi state coach of the year there i think in uh, uh 2007 Then let go in eight or six or seven one that was at mississippi state but uh hope everyone is doing well in the chat and uh we'll do a little bit one we'll do one here mr Derek thomas we throwed a few words together we don't mean throw them together because we 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 didn't like him we love Derek thomas he was a marvelous athlete probably the the best athlete probably I've ever saw step on the field in Alabama we, wait, and play defense.
0: Left us way too soon, Wayne. left us way too soon.
2: Yeah, he left us way too soon. I don't know what this man would have done in NFL if he would have been able to have stayed there. And what he done at Alabama was uh, was unreal. You know, I the only player that I can put back and get close to him now that would, would be would but uh, would be Henry Ruggs, You know, the athlete he is. So. We'll get out of here. Hope everybody's doing good. And like I said in the chat, we'll see everybody again on Friday if the good Lord's willing. And We throw throw these few words together as they came pretty quick about Mr. Thomas. We'll end it like this. There was a man on the outside. It was number 55. His teammates loved him. Quarterbacks ran to stay alive. With 52 sacks in a three-year time, he made college football history in his prime. On to the NFL, he would go. Ten sacks, seventy five tackles in nineteen eighty nine. He was the rookie of the year for the first time. He was six foot three, two forty-three, seven sacks. Seven sacks against Seattle brought him to their knees. He was a three time all pro in NFL. There's no more to this story I need to tell. All right, everybody, stay safe. We'll see everyone on Friday. See you later, Stephen. Bye bye.
0: Appreciate that, Wagon. Great poem there in honor of the late, but the great also Derek Thomas and the guy that definitely went way too soon would have loved to have seen what he what he would have been able to do fully healthy and not just fully healthy, but just around the the NFL. But we go to a pretty intriguing topic here, as, as Wagon brought up. Uh, Paul Feinbaum of, Paul Feinbaum, excuse me, of ESPN was on the show Get Up earlier today and had a pretty interesting statement. He talked about how the time is running out on Nick Saban trying to get that seventh national championship to surpass you know, the legendary Paul Bear Bryant. He talked about the window of Saban's championship is closing. The time is running out. You know, Everybody's caught up to coach Saban. Don't think he'll be able to get it. And uh, just a lot of pot stirring going around. And for you, the Alabama football fan base, I kind of want to get your thoughts here. And, and I know I know some people don't really care about what Paul has to say at times, but this is interesting because do you see the, the, the window expiring? Do you see the window closing? Do you see time kind of running out here on Nick Saban? Because I don't. I know Paul mentioned how – and it's been two years since Alabama's won a national championship. Two years is a long time. We've never really seen him. We've never really seen this happen where Bama went two years without a natty. But, you know, this has happened before. 2013 and 2014, Alabama went two years, no national championship, and then they got one in 2015. Or how about this, 2007, 2008, Nick Saban no national championship, and in the third year, 09, you know he cracks the door down and gets to you know, the crystal ball of a title. So history always has a way to repeat itself. It's always kind of been that third year for a Nick Saban to where That national title gets won with the exception of him going back-to-back in 2011 and 2012 or with the exception of him not winning in 2016 despite how awesome that defense was but Alabama winning in 2017. So more times than not, it's been the third year Nick Saban gets the guys bought in. Everybody gets their chin straps buckled, their shoes strapped, their mentality on point and they get out there and they play hard, and they play to win, you know, a national championship. John, let me ask you. I mean, Coach Saban John is 68 years old. I know he's, I know he's up there in age, but still in, the, still in the best health of his life right now and playing that he continues in strong health. But do you see the window
1: closing, John? No, Coach Saban will coach until he's 250 years old. It doesn't matter. As long as he has a cream pie every morning, he'll be all right. <laughs>
0: John John, Ivory putting it down, folks. As long as he has a cream pie, he'll be good. Coach, he's 250 years old. I mean, going back to something I was told, you know, from a close source a while back that Saban was visiting one of the guys in the 2021 class down there in Florida. He went to the young man's home and he sat down with the young man and his family and he brought up, you know, Bobby Bouton of whom coached at Florida State until he was 82 years old. And Saban mentioned, you know what, I'm looking to smash that number. So if Coach is looking to coach past the year 82 of age, then uh, we're about to see something really, really uh, outstanding here starting this season and going on to to the years to come. When you look at Coach Saban and Alabama football, he is not done with winning championships he is not done with producing you know young men to high honors he's not done with helping young men get degrees most importantly he is not done with taking you know these young men and pushing them to the NFL draft as he's done so eloquently throughout his career but just a little thought there you know uh fine, but I'm always likes to stir the pot in terms of the SEC and Alabama but fans 205-448-1358 want to get your thought on this Do you feel like the window's closing? I mean, do you feel like time is running out on Coach Saban in terms of winning that seventh national championship to surpass the legendary Bear Bryant? But we take another break here on the show. Don't touch that dial here, folks. When we get back, we will sit down with my main man, former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell. We're talking Crimson Tide football. Hang in tight, folks. We'll be back after this. We are in from the break, folks, on the best form of Crimson Tide football news notes and information you will find anywhere on a Wednesday hump day. In my own words, with yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. And we go to right now the In My Own Words hotline as we do every Wednesday and picking up former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell played from 2003 to 07. Matt, what's going on, man? Are you ready to rock and roll?
3: I'm ready to rock and roll. Let's get it started.
0: Let's get this thing popping, then, my man. So, we're starting to see you know, another name, or we saw another name hit the uh, the transfer portal. That being one, uh, Chadarius Towson, the four-star out of Tanner High School here in Alabama, came in that 2017 class, so he would make the 10th name since the end of the 2019 season to hit the portal. So, I mean, what... What does this tell you, Matt, about this 2020 class? Is this 2020 class coming in hot, coming in serious, coming in cutting up, or what? Because, I mean, with the Bryce Youngs in here, with the Javon Bakers in here, with other names in here, it seems like they are really pressing not just to get on the field, but to really bring this team uh, to a national championship.
3: Yeah, um, they're really putting, bringing that pressure, that energy. Uh, like I said, I think Coach Saban with this class recruited um, a lot of high character guys, a lot of winners, uh, a lot of guys who have the championship caliber DNA. And I think um, once they sign on the dotted line, I think having them on campus really uh, puts pressure on the Alabama team, I think it's going to benefit our team as a whole to really um get the best out of all our players, be great teammates, and and get Bama back to where they need to be on a championship level.
0: Now, Javon Baker, the uh, true freshman receiver out of Georgia, he dropped a tweet On yesterday, Matt, basically saying if you don't want to come to Alabama or if you choose not to come to the University of Alabama, then you don't want to win. It's just that simple. And despite the fact that, you know, other teams have gotten better, other schools have gotten better, other programs have gotten better for a freshman to drop this type of information or tweet or statement to the rest of the world, recruits, players, what have you. What does that say about not only Javon Baker, but what does that say about the University of Alabama where you got a young man, very passionate, saying, if you're not trying to come to Alabama, if you're not trying to learn from Coach Saban, then you obviously don't want to win.
3: Yeah, I mean, it speaks a lot. It speaks a lot to the type of character guys that uh, end up signing with Alabama. You kind of have to be cut from a different type of cloth almost. Uh, You have you, you you have to have that winner mindset. No matter who's in front of you and the roster, I'm I'm a ultimate competitor. I'm relentless. I'm doing whatever I can to be successful on the field, and I'm gonna push guys around me in the room. And a lot of players, whether it's recruits or whoever. Maybe don't want to deal with that, but, you know, to be at Alabama, you you have to be a certain type of competitor, have a certain type of tenacity uh, and focus to, to really come to Alabama and push everybody to win.
0: Folks, we're live here on the phone lines on a Wednesday in my own words with yours truly, Stephen M. Smith. We got former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell played from 2003 to 07. If you're just tuning in to the show and uh, Matt, so we look at a couple, we look at a few or a couple of one to two kind of unsung hero type players, one on offense and one on defense. Guys that, you know, not many people talk about, not many people look at. We know the headline names, we know the marquee guys, but you always have to have those role players step up, feeling their responsibilities if you're trying to win, you know, a championship. So, who could be a defensive unsung hero to you that could come out of nowhere and blow people away?
3: Uh, I, I'm going to go with Jordan battle. Uh, he might not be unsung. I, I think a lot of people know about him Been having such an exceptional year as his freshman year at safety. But I think with him having that year of experience, being consistent, um, coming in his second year is going to play with so much confidence and really be able to, uh, open up what we want to do on the back end defensively where there's coverages, blitzes, uh, personnel. Um, He's an exceptional uh, tackler. He's physical, but he can cover at the same time. And I think he's going to be the next uh, big time safety for us at Alabama.
0: With well, that being defensive, Matt, offensively, I know you are huge on Bryce Young. When you and I have both talked, you have been huge on this young man, a quarterback out of California. But in terms of guys that not many people look at, not many people are are, are hip are hipped on that particular uh, player. Offensively,
3: who's the unsung hero here? For me, I'm going to say uh, Slade Bolden. I think a lot of – Um, teams are going to be focusing on, you know, how can I stop Devontae Smith? How can I stop Jalen Waddle? Uh, how can I stop Najee, et cetera? And, you know, Slay Bowden, he comes in, he can do so much. You don't know what he's going to do. He can line up at the Wildcat. He can, if it's fourth and one, he can get us that yard, um, he can kind of go under the radar radar where teams are focusing on so many other guys where we can have special game plans for him to really uh, expose defenses and uh, move the ball down the field and get in the end zone. Folks, if you're
0: just tuning into the show here on the line, we have former Alabama wide receiver Matt Cadell who played from 2003 to 07 talking Crimson Tide football with him right now. And Matt, we look at who would kind of represent the Barry Cross here, as we kind of in our Bama's last dance here, taking it from the Chicago Bulls last dance documentary? Who would kind of represent not Barry Cross, not Barry Krause, Jerry Krause getting the Alabama and the Chicago Bulls mixed up here? So who would represent Alabama's version of Jerry Krause, the general manager who played for the Bulls, who put a lot of those, who put all of those championship teams together? Was he respected? At times yes, at times no, but he had a job to do and he did it uh, quite well for the most part. So who would represent Krause in terms of Alabama football?
3: Um, I think uh, it would be Scott Cochran. Um, You know, they both were a part of Dynasties. Both helped uh, build championships, win championships. Uh, You know, Coach Cochran was with Coach Saban from day one, uh, really helping in the strength and conditioning program. But, uh, you know, Jerry Krause wanted to go in another direction with the Bulls roster. Um, And I believe towards the end, Coach Cochran wanted to go in another direction in regards to, you know, coaching opportunities, what he wanted to do. And um, he ended up, as we all know, leaving Alabama to go to Georgia to be a special teams coordinator. And so they kind of left a little bit, I guess, bad blood between Alabama and Georgia, even more so. So... Um, I think that would be my choice for Alabama's version of Jerry Krause. It'll
0: be an interesting matchup on September 19th between Alabama and Georgia at Bryant-Denny Stadium this season. Just all the familiar faces on one field facing each other. But on Monday, Matt, it was the first day of in-person voluntary workouts for the Crimson Tide. And these players, whether it was Brian Robinson or Byron Young or – Brandon Ingram, folks kept tweeting out, you know, left and right about the job that. David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray are doing in infusing the swagger, infusing the, the energy, infusing the passion, the uh, excitement, the uh, quality characteristics that make the Bama factor what it is. If you got a chance to hear any of these comments from the players, you know, how excited are you about the change, having these two you know, new guys in here and what they're already bringing to the program?
3: Yeah, I'm very excited just as uh, the players, um, you know, I I just think they're going to bring, you know, new cutting edge, innovative um, conditioning program for Alabama that will make our players better conditioned. more of a scientific approach to go well, along with our medical staff, Jeff Allen. I think it's going to be more, instead of like your, what Alabama has been used to when I was there, I think it's going to be more of a position focus uh, which develops, you know, exceptional speed, agility, strength, quickness, uh, and the big thing is injury prevention. And I think it's going to max with their uh, training regime. It's going to maximize their skill set, and we're going to have peak performances on Saturdays from the Crimson Tide players.
0: It's going to be fun, exciting to watch what these two do, especially with the Tide Nation wanting to make sure no season-ending injuries this upcoming campaign here well he's Matt Cadell ladies and gentlemen always graciously joining us live every Wednesday to break down Crimson Tide football former Alabama receiver from 2003 to 07 he was one of the guys that helped lay down the building blocks the foundation for what we have seen Bama football become under Nick Saban a five-time National Championship program. Matt, as always, we appreciate you, man, for bringing on your insight, your expertise into the world of Crimson Tide football. You continue to stay safe, man. Be good.
3: You do the same, and as always, Roll tight.
0: Always great having Matt Cadell on the show. We take another break here on the network, but don't touch that dial, folks. We're unpacking more of your questions, your thoughts, your tweets, your text messages. 205-448-1358. want to hear from you as we return to In My Own Words.
1: Mentwear in the University Mall in Tuscaloosa.
0: Back into the action, folks. In my own words with yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine. As always, got the man John Ivory in here as well. And, folks, it's your time. 205-448-1358. Phone lines open. 205-448-1358. The number to call in to voice your opinion, your thoughts. What What are you feeling today when we talk Alabama? football and also if you haven't done so already be sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on your notifications so that you can have the best news notes alerts updates on your crimson tide also give a thumbs up a like on the show as well but as you're getting your thoughts together here terrell shavers former alabama wide receiver did find a new home he entered his name Into the transfer portal, and very quickly got picked up as he is now the latest member of the Mississippi State Bulldogs. So he remains in the SEC West, joining forces with KJ Costello and and uh, head coach Mike Leach with the uh, with the Bulldogs over there in Starkville. So it's going to be interesting how you know uh, Shavers will take on Alabama this season. The uh, Mississippi State will travel down Highway 82 to bryant denny to face the crimson tide so after shavers played in just as the shavers caught one pass for 20 yards a season ago with western carolina the young man at six foot six 210 pounds 220 pounds now but he will have an opportunity to you know get on the field and do some things for the bulldogs hopefully now he's kind of a He's kind of a poor man's version of Duranya Wilson. They used to have Durania Bear Wilson. Uh got rest his soul. Young man passed away recently. But, you know, it's kind of uh, it's kind of what Shavers would remind you know Mississippi State players of is Mississippi State, you know, fans of is one Duranya Wilson, but just sort of having that thought there on Shavers, but Getting back to the, the training staff of Baloo and, and Ray and the job that those two have been doing. Javion Cohan, the four star offensive lineman in the 2020 class, the young man listed 6'3 and 280 pounds out of Central High School in Phoenix City, you know, here in Alabama. Cohan, uh, the offensive line, they got a chance to work out on Tuesday as. Each position group is practicing social distancing They're not allowing everybody to work out in the facility at one time so at one, at one hour you, you would have one position group coming to work out. They'll leave. During the next hour or so, another positioning group will come in. And for the next positioning groups, so, so they they're spacing people out. They're spacing players out. They're spacing positional units out. So that's a that's a good thing on behalf of the sports performance team there. But Cohan tweeted out on uh, Tuesday about how you know these two guys, Baloo and Ray, not playing around, not joking around, meaning all business for this upcoming season. Echoing the thoughts and sentiments that Brian Robinson put out there, Byron Young put out there, and Brandon Ingram put out there on Monday. So these, these guys fully bought into the the energy, fully bought into the instruction, fully bought into the change that is going on within the program. And, and once again, for, for, for those of you that don't know, this time is geared toward the players having hands-on experience with the sports performance with the strength and conditioning staff. Prior to June 1st, which was the first day that the NCAA allowed for student athletes in football, men's basketball, and women's basketball to return to campuses. And then also June 8th, which was the first day to where, you know, the SEC is allowing for these in-person workouts throughout the spring. Thus far, the uh, conditioning staff in Alabama, they sent these players band workouts. They sent them exercises to their iPhones, to their iPads, to their Apple Watches so that in their own spare time, whether it's at home whether it's in a, a high school facility, whether it's in you know a YMCA, just different buildings where the players they they can go and and work out and get their time in. They got their assigned you know workouts on the phone, the Apple Watch, and the iPad. So now with the players being able to face to face, you know in person, hands on work with Baloo and Ray, they're getting the opportunity to see firsthand what both coaches will require. From all the players, what um what the players are gonna be required to do, you know, out of themselves and putting in the effort and maxing out the reps, but not tiring themselves out and trying to hit their speed goal and trying to hit their target, you know, weight lifting goal, squatting goal, one ten goal, whatever they're doing inside the program, hitting that goal, doing it efficiently and effectively because. The main thing that Ballou and Ray are trying to do is they want each player to be able to sustain four quarters, right? The same energy you have in the first quarter have that same energy in the fourth quarter. The same intensity, the same uh, keen to detail, the same fight that you have in the first quarter. Being able to carry that to the final period and being the aggressor, being the enforcer, imposing your wheel, being in the opposing team's grill every single time. David Ballou is a proponent of, you know, he's, he's like, I don't care if you can squat five 700 pounds. I don't care. If you can bench press five hundred, six hundred pounds, it doesn't matter to me. If if you can you can bench press this, but if if it's not helping you sustain at the point of attack and at the highest level every single play, then there's no need. To do that exercise, I would much rather have you bench press 300 pounds and be able to have that sustained energy throughout the duration of a game. I would rather you have, I would rather you be able to squat less weight but have the same quickness, have the same get off, have the same explosiveness, have the same activity and energy toward the football throughout the duration of a game. So. That's the main focus that both guys are putting into these players. It doesn't matter what you can bench press. It doesn't matter what you can squat. It means nothing where if we're calling on you to be on that field in the fourth quarter and you're tired, gasping for air, wondering where the towel and the bottle of Gatorade is. If you're wondering where the towel and the bottle of Gatorade is in the fourth quarter, then that particular exercise is not helping you. We want to make sure that We're getting you the exercises that are going to help you sustain throughout the matchup, throughout the contest, and throughout the season. But this takes us to another break here on the show but folks upon our return we tackle defensive unsung heroes who could be some guys that could pop out of nowhere we know who the stars are we know who the heavy hitters are we know who the marquee guys are but who could be some unsung guys that could hit us like a frying pan and have us go where did he come from we'll touch those guys right after this
1: Alabama.com today and roll tide.
0: How we feeling, Bama Nation, on this Wednesday hump day? You are locked and loaded onto the hottest show in the streets. You're looking at Alabama football talk in my own words with yours truly, Stephen Smith of Touchdown Alabama Magazine, and we get into you know some defensive unsung heroes for. The upcoming season, as I mentioned before, we already know who the stars are. We know Dylan Moses is going to be an impact guy. We know DJ Dale is going to be an impact guy. We know Christian Barmore is going to be an impact guy. We know Joshua McMillan. Uh, we know, you know Shane Lee is going to do a little something-something. We know Jordan Battle and Daniel Wright, Patrick a second. We, we kind of know who the impact guys are on defense. We know the guys that we have to circle and highlight and underline and draw a star by because we know what those guys have meant to this particular program. But as always, the national championship teams under Nick Saban here at the Capstone have also had those guys that came out of nowhere. Players that, you know, we saw little to none of, and you're like, well, who is that guy? You know, don't really know much about him. Talk to me about this guy. It's it's the players that were kind of, you know, scrambling through the roster trying to find out where did this guy come from? Was he a four-star or five-star, you know? What class did he come in? Those unsung heroes that people just don't know much about. Who? How many of those guys can we see pop? How many of those guys... Can we see, you know, come out of nowhere and really make a profound impact on this team, uh, winning a national championship, on this team getting Coach Saban number seven to eclipse the bear, getting this program number 18 in its history. So I, I, I pulled out five. I pulled out five, you know, particular unsung heroes that keep your eyes on, expect these guys to pop here in the upcoming season. So here we go here, folks. Stevens 5, defensive unsung heroes. Number one, Brandon Alakaho at linebacker. This is Caho's year. With Markel Benton in the portal, kaho will be the starter in that dime package. He'll be the starting dime linebacker. He will also get some work in in Alabama's nickel defense and This is a guy we all know this past season he exploded on special teams, blew up the shield, blocked two punts, could have recovered both for touchdowns, but recovered one for a score. And a guy that came in late in the 2018 class out of Nevada. Flipped, Alabama flipped him from Washington, was a big part of helping the Crimson Tide have a top five signing class for 2018. He's got the physical build of a CJ Mosley. You know, Mosley played at 6'1, 6'2, 234 pounds at Alabama. Cajo is 6'1, 228. So around that same physical build, he was highly frustrated. After the loss to LSU this past season, you saw how the LSU players went into the stands at Bryant Denny and trying to flip for 2020 players to you know leave you know the Crimson Tide and of course Kaho went on Twitter and was like LSU, we're finna run this mess back. Uh, we're looking for I'm looking forward to going down there and facing y'all this year. So he said that really adamant about beating LSU at Tiger Stadium, have been win and, Scott Cochran made the decision to go from Alabama to Georgia. He goes on social media again, tweeting out that September 19th is going to hit so different this year. So mentally, Cajo is already in the frame of mind of this is going to be my year. And I'm going to make this my year. I'm going to make it my business for this to be my year. So number one out the gate, folks, keep your eyes on Brandon and he is going to pop as an unsung hero type player. So number two, give me King Wakuda. And, and, and I brought him up last week or a couple, few, couple of shows back. brought him up on the show. And uh, for, for for Wakuda here, he was a quick, twitchy-edge guy out of Georgia in the 2019 class. And uh, to start that season, to start that season with the practices, no, Sal Sanceri did a lot of yelling. Sal Sanceri did a lot of hard-nosed, tough coaching, in-your-face type coaching. But that hard-nosed, tough yelling for King, th- th- from the middle of a season, the week of LSU, throughout the remainder of the year, it became affirmation and confirmation. Like, Coach Sal got on King, but then he would come back and say things like, that was your best rep all week. That was your best rep all practice. That was your best rep all season. You're starting to cut the high school mess off. You're starting to do what I'm telling you to do. You're going to be big. You're going to be big time. You're going to be solid. Like he would always come back and sort of reaffirm, uh, reestablish Wakuda as we as we love you, man. You, you're going to be something big here. And it's kind of like remember Derek Thomas. Derek Thomas came to Alabama. In the mid to late 1980s, 1985, from you know Miami, and uh, you know lost his father at a young age. Didn't have that concrete father figure until he got to, of course, you know he had he had a couple he had a couple of you know fatherly people in and out, but he didn't get the concrete father figure until he got to Alabama with uh, Sylvester Croom. And uh, people knew Derek Thomas was going to be good, but you had to sort of push it out of him. And uh, Alabama already had uh, Cornelius Bennett on the roster as a defensive player, a guy that was a All-American, first-team All-SEC, you know, record-setting type of dude, sacking the quarterback, making plays. Cornelius Bennett was larger than life. So, Derek Thomas comes in, and, you know, he has, uh, you know, moments where he wants to transfer, but... You know, Sylvester Croom talked with them he spoke with them he spent time with them and, and coach Croom coached him hard stayed on him grilled him but he always came back to reaffirm DT about hey we know you the man we're we know you that beast we know you that dude we're just gonna push every last bit of it out of you we're gonna stay on you but we're gonna always come back and reaffirm hey The moment you lock in, young man, nobody is going to be able to stop you. And that's how Kroom treated Derek Thomas. And this is exactly how Sal Sanceri is treating King Wakuda. He's pushing it all out of King because he knows this guy has got the potential to pop and really, really be something here. So number two, keep your eyes open. On that outside linebacker position, King Wakuda has got some potential to play in that Terrell Lewis type of role in the upcoming year. Moving on down to number three, give me Ronald Williams Jr., the JUCO from Hutchinson Community College, but he's originally out of Louisiana. The the thing with Ronald Williams is how quickly, how efficiently, how effectively can he come in and lock down that other corner position opposite Josh Job, giving Alabama the freedom to put Patrick Sertan in that star position. And uh, when I look at Williams, it, he kind of reminds me of two former Alabama corners, Anthony Everett and Levi Wallace, right? When when you ask the Alabama fan base, when you think of players that come from New Jersey, the first thought that hits your mind instantly, Minka Fitzpatrick, Old Bridge, New Jersey, St. Peter's Prep School, five-star, came in, won the job in the nickel corner spot, had an illustrious, great, fantastic career first-round pick. Minka Fitzpatrick is the first player to hit anyone's mind who's a Bama fan, college football fan, when you talk about players that come out of New Jersey. Well... Prior to Minka in 2013, Anthony Averett came out of Woodbury, New Jersey. He was a lonely four-star, almost three-star. Not a lot of people talked about Averett. He was more so track player than football player. So he comes to Alabama in 2013. He redshirts his freshman year. Between his redshirt freshman year and his redshirt sophomore year, 2014, 2015, doesn't really play all that much doesn't get action until, you know, his junior year as a starter in 2016. And the guy put on a show, 48 tackles, eight pass breakups, one interception. He locked down the left side of the field. I mean, he was so good. Friends of mine, we used to call Anthony Average Straps. We used to call him Straps because he was a shutdown corner. And fans were flipping over the roster going, who, who is he? Where do we get him from? Where did we get Anthony Everett from? Where did he come from? Like, wh- where where did we find him? Because people were not expecting Anthony Everett to pop, and he did. 2017, you know, Levi Wallace popped, and this was a walk-on. This was a walk-on that got his scholarship in 2016. He came in 2014 But 2017, he started at that left corner spot, and he, you know, 15 pass breakups, three interceptions, one return for a touchdown, and folks were going crazy trying to figure out how in the world was he on the bench all of his time was a walk-on. So Ronald Williams Jr. kind of reminds me of those two guys, how quickly and how effectively and efficiently could he come in and lock down that other corner spot. The fourth guy you look at here, it's Daniel Wright at safety. He has matured his body. He has matured his mind. He has learned from uh, the likes of Deontay Thompson and uh, Xavier McKinney and uh, J- Ronnie Harrison. Just, just so many guys that Daniel Wright has learned from. He has been through some injuries, he's had them on the defense, but he's finally in a place where. He's prepared. He's ready to lead. He's ready to take on responsibilities and, and, and be that guy. So, number four, got to pop. Keep your eyes on Daniel Rod. He's built like the Incredible Hulk now. And then last but not least... Keep your eyes on Byron Young on the defensive line. I could have named any defensive lineman, but I chose Byron Young due to, you know, this past season, 23 tackles. He had 13 tackles down the stretch of the year, had a sack, had a tackle for loss. He really popped toward the middle portion, toward throughout the end of the season. So also, keep your eyes there on Byron Young. Just some names there that can be unsung heroes for this team. But folks, you want the best news, notes, information, and coverage on the Crimson Tide. It's simple. You get this by downloading the Touchdown Alabama Magazine app. You get this from the iPhone App Store if you're rocking Team Apple. Google Play Store if you've got the Android phone. For your audio listening needs, whether it's iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, or iHeartRadio, we've got you covered. If the good and gracious Lord sees fit, I will return on Friday. Continuing the conversation, that is Bama football. But until next time, folks. Husbands love your wives. Wives appreciate value. Those husbands, children continue doing those things to legitimately not be bored. Get those three hearty meals a day. Those three great laughs a day. Protect yourself. Protect the loved ones around you. Until next time, folks. Spinning my own words.